This is CliffCentral.com. Download the Cliff Central app. Available now on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Cliff Cliff Central. I've got something important to tell you. CliffCentral.com. This is CliffCentral.com. Well, welcome to the Futurology Show, and I am so happy to have my wingman and co-host Brett Two back with us. Hey, how you doing? Good in you, Brett. Cool, man. How are you feeling, man? I'm a thousand times better. Okay, so honestly, you, were, you weren't bunking last week. No, you no, actually I, were I was sick. dying of some plague of some sorts, which it's horrible. M- man flu. Yeah, it, that's what happens when you don't keep your, what's it, knobs <laughs> st- sticky or <laughs> you clean screens and your, all that stuff. That leave said? that for me, my bud. Yeah, yeah, you, you do this so much better. All right, so we have got a really cool show today. Awesome. Um, I mean, it is Human Rights Day here in South Africa, happy, which happy, we'll everybody. get to uh, a bit later on as well. And for anyone that wants to chat to us, uh, remember, the studio number is 0861-555-189. You can get us on Twitter at cliffcentral.com, Facebook, and WeChat. So I said we got a great show today, and as I, I always like to start off with my app of the day, so I'm going to get straight into that because I don't want to waste any time keeping our guest uh, on hold who's Skyping in all the way from New York. Um, the app that I found today, given the fact that we have so many public holidays coming up, is called Delayed, but it's spelled delayed without the E-D. So it's delay and the letter D. And what it does is it lets you schedule Twitter, Facebook, email, and SMS. Cool. So you can pre-program it, schedule it, um, schedule as many as you want, and then it just sends you a little notification to say that your tweet is gone. So I actually tested it this morning as well for our tweet. I saw that come yeah. through actually. Yeah, so I set it up this morning at like 8 or 9 o'clock, whatever it was, and bang, 11 o'clock I think it came through. So if you are going to be away and you can't stay away from uh, social and you need to stay connected or or at least uh, you believe that there's more than three fans out there that care what you have to say. But you can SMS as well. You can SMS That's as really well. That's cool. What is SMS? Oh, yes, that thing. Okay, so <laughs> I see I've got credits there, but I haven't used it. Anyway, okay, so staying with apps, all right, and bef- and as I intro our guest today, I am so, so stoked about this. So we have um, Dennis Mortensen from a company called X.ai. Um, he'll be joining us from New York. And um, it's he's he's basically developed a product called Amy, okay, which cool. is an artificial intelligence virtual assistant. Um, Dennis, are you there? I am absolutely here. Thank How's, you very much for having me. Thank th- thank you thank you for coming through. Uh, well, at least rather making the time available to to speak to us, Dennis. It's great to to finally talk to you. We've had enough emails up and down and Twitters. Email is certainly fantastic. Voice is uh, a little bit more romantic, isn't it? See, I lost you out there again. Emails a little bit. Uh, is this better? Am I coming through? Yep. Yeah, that sounds a bit better on our side. Um, I will move slightly to the west and be here in the corner of the room. <laughs> <laughs> Get closer to us. All right. So yes. um, basically, I don't know if you heard the intro that uh, I gave you, but um, I think I need to tell the listeners a little bit of a story uh, how uh, I have patiently waited on... Um, uh, on getting to the front of the queue um, and getting those reminder emails. Um, and uh, when I spoke to you about maybe joining us today, uh, you were very kind enough to supply me with my own Amy, who I've now enjoyed for two weeks. Uh, that is wonderful. How's that going? 
Um, Dennis, it's awesome. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to basically quickly tell everyone here who Amy is and how important she is to me and, and, and obviously you too as well. So Amy, her surname is Ingram, Brett, A-I, Artificial Clever. Intelligence. Nice. I mean, And she has a brother, Andrew. Oh, so wow. what you do is you basically set up your assistant with your preferences. And I think I've actually invited you to a meeting yeah. or rather yeah. Amy's invited you to a yeah. meeting. Unfortunately, we weren't available, but she had to. There we go. But she told us we yeah. weren't available. Yeah. I mean, we're sitting this close to each other and we weren't available. And she takes care of the rest. So, Dennis, I know I'm not doing it justice. That's why I wanted you on yet. Please take us through this journey of, of how awesome Amy is and Andrew. I don't want to leave him out of it. I think that you and me and everybody else two hours out of college figure out that meeting up with people is super exciting. Setting up the meetings, not so exciting. And that means that if you and I want to have a chat, I think this is cool. This is actually what I want to spend my mornings on. Figuring out exactly what day, what time, what Skype ID, not so much. (laughs) So it seems that we all if we could afford it, would want some sort of human personal assistant that would sit in our front office so that when I want to speak to you, I can say, you know what? I would love to do that. I have CC'd in my assistant and she can help put something on my calendar. The reason that we don't all have that assistant is that he or she is cost prohibitive. It's just that I'm not willing to spend the 50K plus benefits to have him sit in the front office and help me kind of manage my calendar. But I would love the service though. So what we've come up with is this machine intelligence that can do exactly that task, but as a complete replica of that of having a human in place so that there's no change in the interface, which is this, we call it invisible software or intelligent agent for where, where we want to set up the meeting She really only exists in this dialogue, and she's got an email. And for all you know, it could be a human, it could be a machine. You don't really care. As long as you see her in and ask her to do a given meeting, she will take over. And the way that works is that, say you got three friends and a business meeting come early May when you're in New York, and you see her in. She immediately kind of removes you from the conversation and then start to speak individually with all the participants in this very human-like way. And of course, moves the conversation forward towards this conclusion point, and once concluded, makes an insert into our calendars. And that's us. And when I say us, that is 63 propeller heads in a New York basement for two years. That's what it is. And I wouldn't want it any other way. I've been to some of those basements, and they're awesome places. (laughs) And I think if I can just jump in there, because... I've been privileged in my career to actually have an assistant. Um, and up until the time when I did have an assistant and I had to manage my own diary and my own schedule, I agree with you a hundred percent. That was the bane of my existence. And then you send an email, you don't make an appointment, which co- is actually an opportunity cost because you're keeping the space open. And the person eventually replies and says, sorry, I can't do that time, but what about this time? And that whole exchange starts again. I mean, Brett, you, you've had this, this situation as oh, yeah. well. Now with Amy, exactly as you've said, I, I set her up. And I think just again to take some listeners through that, that really might not grasp this concept until they experience it. 
When you first set Amy up, she asks you your preferences. She says, where's your favorite place to have coffee? Where's your office? You put your address in. She even queries you and she says to you, are you sure that's the right place? Because the address I found is X, Y, Z. So she like corrects you like a real person would. Um, I said, yep, you're right. That's according to Google Maps. It has to be right. And then from that point, um, you're now ready to go. And I don't think it took me longer than five minutes to set it up. I think five minutes max. The requirement was a Google Calendar or a Gmail Calendar, which I think 99% of people have. But here's the real kicker. So I, being the the somewhat doubtful person and like wondering, you know, my diary is quite precious to me. Um, I sent out an email and I blind copied myself. Or I copied myself rather. I get an email back from Amy going, Hi, Brett. Don't worry about me. I will copy you. I will blind copy on the first three emails that I send so that you can see I speak to your, your clients. Stop micromanaging the AI, dude. There we go. I mean, Dennis, that was, that was fantastic. That was like me asking Siri if she'll marry me. It was the same kind of, of, um, revelation there. That is, uh, that is just perfect. And I think you actually described it very well. So you're one of the fortunate corporate lottery winners that had a human assistant. So most of us never had one and would never really get to the point for where we would receive one. There's plenty of positions for where that is just not an option. You can be the best product manager in the world, but you're not going to have a human personal assistant in the front office managing your calendar. I agree. But I think if this could turn into software, it seems like we could completely democratize the idea of a personal assistant and we could all have one. Because it's not like when you took that existing job of yours that you asked them, so will you be giving me an email? Because I really like the idea of email and I think I could do my job better if you give me one. You just assume that in 2016, any job really in the knowledge economy will provide me an email. So you don't even talk about it. And I think this should be the same, that obviously... You wouldn't hire a really expensive backend engineer or product manager or social media manager or any one of 1,500 other positions and have them do their own meetings. That seems almost kind of silly. They're adding no value. They should just get one of these assistants. And here's the really kicker where I'm sure you find this funny is that when you and I meet up or when two people meet up and I say, you know what, let's do that coffee when you're in New York in... April. I've seen it in Amy, so you can put something on my calendar. Your response to me should be wonderful. I've seen it in Andrew on my end, and he can hash it out with Amy. <laughs> so the AI is a conversation. Is, exactly. But, so, but that what does if Andrew happen. is Amy? Who the hell is she talking to? <laughs> and, and that's the, uh, the part where it turns really sexy for where she actually works for both you and me. And not only don't you have to speak to anybody Neither do I. The whole thing can turn near instant. And not only can it turn near instant, now the assistant can start to kind of maximize happiness. As in, is this a little bit too late for you guys, a little bit too early for me? What is the perfect setting that makes both you and I happy, even though it might go slightly outside our scheduling hours? Mm. But that's for where things turn really sexy, I think. And you can start to say things like, hey, Amy, if the whole organization have it, right? Can you get me and the product team together early next week, please? Not Tuesday. You click send. She already talked to seven people. You're meeting up at Wednesday. 
1015 meeting room 9F. Wow. That is fucking sexy. So that's, <laughs> that's what you want, right? That's awesome. I, you know, I'm going to jump in there for a second. Um, that was where I saw, and I've only had the privilege of having Amy for, for two weeks now. Um, but exactly that, when I was trying to set up a meeting with one of my customers who needed to check another four diaries, who wasn't fortunate enough to have an Amy or an Andrew, uh, the amount of emails that were going up and down were insane because they were still keeping me on copy. Obviously, Amy didn't have me on copy, which, by the way, I need to also point that out to the listeners as well. You don't get hounded by these up and down emails while someone's trying to set up a meeting. And of course, unless the client keeps you on copy. But it just happens. And then all of a sudden, voila, there's this invite that appears in your in your inbox. Um but but the 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 client that I tried to set this up with, and in fact, when I went to finally go and meet with them, I said to them, "How did you find the whole email exchange?" And they said to me, "Amy's lovely, but we tried to phone to, to we tried to phone and speak to her, um, and no one at your office knew the hell who knew who the hell Amy was." <laughs> so um, yeah, you know, the virtual's one you. thing, but we've got to we've got to now obviously look at, you know, how does that human layer move into voice? Is that like a Siri or is that something like that? It's, uh, it is very interesting. And if you want to see something really, not just ha-ha funny, but kind of interesting, you should go to x.ai slash love notes. And what you'll see is thousands and thousands of people that had this experience of the future, really, for where I get it. We are doing fantastic work in AI, intelligent agents, and new interfaces, but somehow... The future seems to be tomorrow, but I experienced it today. And they just didn't know that Amy was a machine. And I've had this chat with her for a week, and I met up with my colleague. And he told me it was not a human. And it's not that we set out to fool people here. It's just that we believe so much in creating an experience that replicate that of having a human assistant that sometimes we do it so well that they just either... Don't pay attention. Don't recognize. Or probably just don't care. Because all I want really is just to chat with you guys on Skype. That's all I wanted. When I said yes in my mind, yes was yes. Not a, if you behave when we negotiate, I will still do it. No, yes means yes. And then just leave me be and kind of insert this into my calendar. But there's a lot of these people for where they just don't really they know that this can somewhat exist, but today just didn't seem like the day. And they have this kind of very positive surprise of, damn it. Mm-hmm. I always thought, you know, a wonderful weekend and all sorts of things. We even have, and this, uh, about a, once a month, she's getting asked out on dates. <laughs> we even get, you know, flowers, chocolates, Red Bulls, whiskey well, sent to awesome. the office, all sorts of things. That's cool. So you hear... Um the uh, the story uh, Richard Branson's got a great story when he's when he first started out he would go into the uh, the the closest toll booth and actually pretend to be his own assistant uh, more of a matter of status than a matter of uh, convenience are you finding that in your sort of market that you guys are attracting are you attracting both the the convenient customers but also the guys after hey I want to look like I have this personal assistant it's a good question on how you want to go to market. I'm not so sure that I want to pursue that specific avenue. I'm not sure that you're absolutely correct that some people would want to do that. Just like there was a time for where it was a status symbol to have a mobile phone 
or a 1-800 number in the US or any number of things where the technology was so cutting edge that you said something about you and your firm by having access to that. This could probably be the same for a little while because not many have assistance. I'm just so aggressive in the way of us going to market that I would rather not turn it into a status symbol. I would rather that it becomes something where we democratize it and people just seem confused if they don't get one. As in, what a silly company to work for (laughs) that they want me to do all these things and then do my own meetings. Yeah. What What is going on here? As in, you'll be disappointed on the behalf of the company that they don't provide it. So I think that is certainly how we would like to push it. But I'm, I'm most sure you're right that some will see this as a status symbol for a little while. Dennis, you know, for me to jump in there as well, and again, as someone who's privileged at this moment in time to, to have Amy, I must tell you that it's definitely a status symbol. And I'll take Amy over the iPhone 6S any day because I'm quite happy with my older iPhone 6, but I've become quite accustomed to uh, to Amy being there with my back. Um, you know, some of the some of the, the the questions that have sprung to mind in using Amy, um, and one I suppose specifically would have been in in getting us to where we are today, where you and I are speaking, is that you would have an Amy or or an Andrew, um, and I've got one, and they're obviously the same address, and in fact. Uh, I see on LinkedIn, we're LinkedIn through Amy as well because she has a profile. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd like to see a sexier picture there. If you could do something for me there, that would be awesome. Something in a nice suit or, but, uh, maybe one of her bikini holiday pictures. But the, <laughs> but the, the, the question that I have is if, you know, you're using artificial intelligence, the email comes through with a request. If you've got Amy and I've got Amy, then what happens? Does she love that or does she fall over because she's going into a perpetual loop? So around the office, we call that scheduling nirvana. And that is exactly what we're going for. So let's take a step back here just from a technical point of view and talk about self-driving cars. So self-driving cars as a concept, if we could shift tomorrow as in it would simply be illegal for a human to drive a car, and any car on the road would be machine-driven. And any machine-driven car would obviously be able to speak to all the other cars. That would make the whole system a whole lot less complex and very doable. The reason that is so hard is that that is never happening. So there's going to be a period for where you'll have human-driven cars and machine-driven cars. And that makes it dangerous almost impossible, but it's the only way we're going to get there. So you have to develop these very complex machines that can participate in a human-driven world. We're in the same setting right now for where if everybody were using a version of Amy, we actually decrease complexity because not only do I have visibility into your calendar, I know your preferences, I work for you, I don't have to ask you about certain things because that we talked about already. So it goes from this NLP challenge for where we need to both understand and be able to grasp you know, the request and objective and the raw text that comes in. We can just do this as an internal preference negotiation, which is not natural language, but machine language. And it just makes the whole thing faster, more accurate, and better. Which is also why, and this is where the kind of entrepreneur in me almost kind of pee my pants with poor joy, because this suggests that this is a 
winner-takes-all market, that whoever solves this will have a much better chance of creating this setting where one agent runs it all because all the users are just better off by one agent doing that. So we're very eager for that to happen. Sorry for the kind of semi-long, kind of joyous uh, commentary here, but it's, it's something that we're trying to move towards as fast as we can. Yeah, it's interesting. It's very cool. I must say that uh, you know everything you've just said now makes 100% sense. I suppose the golden question is when does Amy and Andrew come out of beta? Um, what, is the, what is the next phase? Because at the end of the day, that basement in New York, and, and I've lived in New York, I know that everything's expensive there, but you know that has to be paid for. So as, as awesome as Amy is, and it would be great to have everyone using her or Andrew, um, there has to be some form of commercial model, or is it still too early days for that? Or you're not at liberty to discuss that? Or you know, what, are we, what are we looking like, and what are the timelines looking like? You're absolutely right. If you want to hire a pool of PhDs and run a 60-plus man band in downtown Manhattan, that doesn't come for free. I cry myself to sleep when I see the cost that we put in place to kind of have a company like that exist. But it's one of those for where certainly our investors, myself included, believe that the opportunity is so dramatic that it's a worthwhile bet. And it's one of those where we knew the day we started that this is not going to be a weekend hackathon. It's not going to be a three months Y Combinator thing. This is going to be a year-long endeavor. But whoever's brave enough, got stamina and tenacity to go do this, will come out well on the other side, if we can pull it off. And Amy is certainly in such a good shape that it's, I would suggest that we're going to come out on the other side well. I would agree with that. At least we're on the you know on Skype right now. So this meeting got set up. So this is one out of hundreds of thousands. So in that regard, she's in good shape. To answer your question, then uh, we will go to market mm. in 2016. We're obviously already in market because we need massive use for training data purposes. But we'll start to kind of charge for the product, remove the wait list, allow you to just go sign up any random evening, and in that sense. Coming back to your second question, what is the business model? We think this is going to be very similar to a Slack, Dropbox, Evernote type business for where there'll be a free edition with a ceiling. You can set up a number of meetings in the name of Amy at x.ai. If you want to do unlimited meetings, change the name, tune the signature, get some of those pro features. You pay me $9, $15 per month, which we need to kind of price test, but in that ballpark. And then hopefully your colleague figures it out. He signs up, click, click, click. That's five people in your organization. And then the CIO finds out, and I can somehow persuade him to buy a seat for everybody. He buys 172 seats for the organization, pays me 20 bucks per seat per month, and that's how we see us kind of roll this out. So... Very low cost, kind of compared to that of having a human place. Actually, a complete disconnect yeah. uh, to that. I'm so glad to hear you're not going the Microsoft model where you just charge so much, so much, so much that no one can actually afford it. I mean, that's. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think the worst that could happen to me is that we find, and I think a good example of this is Salesforce. I'm sure yep. Salesforce is 
kind of at least first choice of any CRM system that you will put in place. But they've reached now a price point for where you start to become selective. So we were 450 people post-acquisition in my last uh, venture. I think we had 150 Salesforce fees. Why not 450? You know what? Because they're 120 bucks a seat times 300 times 12. That's half a million dollars line item that you can save if you don't give it to everybody. So somehow that became too expensive. But I don't want Amy to become too expensive. I want this to be, of course, everybody's got email. Everybody's got access to Slack or Yammer or HipChat or whatever you might have in that kind of end. This needs to be the same. So I want something that rhymes with, sure, yes, it's either everybody or nobody. That's kind of how they will buy it. No, that that sort of approach is fantastic. I mean, I'm currently reading a book by Clay, Clay Shirky called Cognitive Surplus, and the idea there is uh, just trying to find the free time, uh, the, the time that leads to creativity and collaboration rather than consumption. And the idea of that Amy now takes care of the mundane tasks of trying to get people together and actually gets them together quicker means that we've got more time to spend being creative as humans and actually moving ourselves forward. That first that of all, much that's of a, question, a wonderful a book, and I'm a huge fan of uh, Clay Shirky. Everybody should read that book. It's yeah. from a few years ago. Uh, surprised I'm going to bring it up now, but it's it's a great book. You should all read it kind of every half decade. <laughs> but I think you're absolutely right that no organization could come back and suggest that part of the value which they create comes in the meeting negotiation, whether internal or externally. They could certainly suggest that some of the value comes from the meetings that they conduct with customers and partners and employees and new candidates and so on and so forth, but not the negotiation. That is just a waste of time. No value is added. So I think you're absolutely right that this is something for where we free up time, which you can then choose to go redeploy as you see fit. So a, a, a question from my side then, is it part of your roadmap that Amy actually gets vocal or the ability to have a conversation with a customer or do we still need to keep uh, humans in the front of, a, of an office to do that and Amy's purely there to help our scheduling and keep us uh, you know, efficient and on top of each other's uh, calendars and schedules? Two answers. So we certainly tried very hard from an engineering point of view to make her channel agnostic. The reason that we picked email to begin with is that the vast majority of all your meeting requests arrive in your inbox. You have a few intimate meeting requests that might arrive on SMS, as you called it uh, just earlier uh, in the conversation here, from wife and kids and college buddies. And after that, that's a very dramatic drop-off to where you get other meeting requests, perhaps Slack internally or some other channel that you might use inside the company. So that's the reason we exist on email, that I don't want you to change the channel. So you're at home tonight at 10.30 p.m. with a bowl of cereal, checking your email on your phone, and as you see me emailing you, all you should think about is, do I want to chat to Dennis? And if you do... It should just rhyme with reply within that application, whether email or text or something else. And you say, sure, Dennis, I'm up for that. I've CC'd him, and that's that. Send archive. But the question is, 
What is that next channel? Is there actually a voice channel? You know what? There could be. It just seems to be that we haven't reached this inflection point for where voice is a dramatic channel just yet. I think it's starting. We're just on the verge of it. And if you guys haven't bought an Amazon Echo just yet, you should run out right after this call and buy one. Because I think you'll see that your voice use is going to increase uh, dramatically. Mine certainly have with that device. So that's on that end. We are channel uh, agnostic. Then the other side is outside of meetings. Now that I have this very positive relationship with Amy, couldn't you do my travels, my hotels, my Uber, my receipts, and anything else that comes with it? She certainly could, and we could envision that. Right now, I'm just so focused mm. on meetings. There's about 10 billion formal meetings being set up in the U.S. every year. Wow. I'm hunting those. I don't want to be the guy that kind of do five things half-assed. I just want to be world-class at this one thing. And if we solve that, we can do whatever we want. So Fantastic. meetings for now. Do that Excellent. well. Cool. So we, we've obviously, the show is called Futurology here at uh, Cliff Central, and uh, Futurology is the study of the future. So today we're taking a bit of an, an AI slant, and uh, we'll pay respect to Marvin Minsky, who's the supposed godfather of AI who passed away this year. But in terms of Futurology, Dennis, where do you think, how far do you think AI is going to go? How quickly do you think we're going to get there? And are we going to end up collaborating is is amy going to be part of the meeting once the meeting's made is she actually going to be there saying hey guys i think that this is a probably more efficient way of doing it than how how far do we think we're going to go with this i think that the near-term future is not one for where we're going to wake up to some presentation from google or some other organization and they say we've solved it we now have human level ai we've been working on it in the lab for the last decade and a half, ta-da, that I find unrealistic. It is just something which I can't even imagine myself, and I've spent you know, decades in the field. What I can imagine, though, is this moment in time for where traditional applications, whether on desktop or web services or apps on your phone, are about to change and move into this kind of new software paradigm for where most software will be delivered as intelligent agents, not assisting you on tasks, but doing jobs in full. And I think there might be some horizontal AIs or enable AIs that rhyme with the series, the Katanas, the Google Nows, and they activate a set of verticalized AIs, such as Amy, that are super specialized and highly intelligent on one subject matter. And that means that the syntax might not be you saying, hey, Siri, could you have Amy set something up with Dennis, please? She might just know that she have Amy employed, and whenever you speak to meetings, that is the employee that she'll go fetch. Okay. And I think we'll have a whole army of these verticalized AIs. I'm working on one of them. And what I find really interesting, not so much that you have this mini intelligent agent marketplace, is when these agents start to speak to each other. And that's where I think you might start to see something turn smart beyond what we can immediately kind of understand, which is that she's supposed to set up a meeting in Miami. 
She knows that I don't live in Miami. She knows that you have a travel agent employed as well. Human or machine that she does not know. She reaches out to the travel agent to figure out when you arrive in Miami. And she will reply back when you arrive. Use that as an input for when she has to schedule the meeting. And then she also knows that you need to stay there overnight. And does that mean that the call tomorrow, given that you're traveling, is something that we need to push? She will then go again speak to a travel agent who actually only does travels. Then they speak to another agent that actually books your hotels. And then there'll be this whole conversation going on positively behind your back between these agents, some of them machines, some of them humans, to put things in place for where all you gave them were the objective. I need to do that meeting in Miami with one of my potential future partners. That's something which I can see play out over the next half decade. Wow, Not- that would be cool. So, Dennis, I, I need to I need to jump in, and I've got to wrap up. But I'd like to wrap up with a question. Um, you know, you've said we you're hopefully coming out of beta in the not too distant future, which is really exciting. As part of that leave of beta, which is the one thing that I, I obviously haven't been able to experience now in using Amy, is if I if I ask someone for a meeting and I copy Amy, she takes over. But if someone wants to contact me and ask me for a meeting, but um, has her on copy. I've received response saying that, you know, she kind of waits for me to give the instructions instead of the other way around. Is that something that's currently being addressed and because it's still, you know, on the learning phase that you've left it on the back burner? Or is that still quite far down the road? So what you just described, if I understand it correctly, is actually a design choice. And it's a design choice that tries to kind of replicate the existing human personal assistant setting, which is that just because you know I have an assistant called Amy and you have her email, that doesn't mean that you can inject yourself into my calendar. So everybody knows that I have Amy, obviously. And I have plenty of people who somehow believe that, oh, sure, how about I set up a meeting with Dennis? Sometimes they don't even CC me. They just email Amy directly and say, hey, I'm in New York. Can you set up half an hour with Dennis, she can't really do that. So I need to make sure that I have approved my meetings. So what she'll do is that she'll actually reach out to me and say, hey, so this dude, Jonathan, is trying to set up a meeting with you. You don't have to do anything. I won't pursue this. If you want me to work it, just give me a quick thumbs up. That's fair. Then sometimes I'll say, yeah, sure. He's actually an old buddy from back home, Denmark. Just go ahead and set something up. Sometimes I'll just delete it because... Perhaps some vendor who want to sell me something and I'm too busy to kind of meet up and that's that. So okay. she's actually doing it to be protective. All right. So she, she actually has your back like a, like a human PA yeah. would as well. <laughs> well, Dennis, I have to thank you so much for your time. Um, and, and for jumping on air with us. And again, thank you for, uh, the joy of having, uh, Amy manage my diary as well. I'm definitely, I, I'd like to think I'm probably one of the only people in South Africa that actually is using Amy, so I feel quite privileged with that. I'm getting a nod from Brett here saying, yeah, he wouldn't mind an Amy as well, hint, hint. Um, but uh, I think for, yeah, I mean, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much for, for making time to speak to us, and uh, Thanks, I'm definitely man. looking forward to continuing this conversation and journey um, with you and, and X.AR. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll chat soon. Cheers. Cheers ciao, ciao. This is CliffCentral.com. Right, so um uh, yeah, that was 
a little bit of an insight into uh, my diary and, and what I've been doing. Um, but now, here's the pertinent question. Let's get back to South Africa. Yeah. It is Human Rights Day today. Yes, happy, happy. What we've discussed for the last 30-odd minutes is everything against human rights in the sense that these are not humans. Um, you know, w- what is your feeling on this, Brett? I, I know you've uh, had a look at a couple of things uh, like Rise of the Machines. and oh, yeah. You know, we can look at those side of the doomsday side. What do you, what do you think? Well, look, to keep the fact that human rights are, are in play, uh, there's, uh, AI is a thing that's definitely going to be part of our future. And I think it, it can either hinder or help, uh, human rights. Uh, one, one quote we saw today was human rights are not an option. So we've always got to look out for human rights. And I think when you take the fact that AI or computers have got such a logical sort of process to, to addressing issues, they're probably going to be more responsible if that's, um, inverted commas, responsible for human rights than we are as humans i think we infringe on each other's rights quite liberally sometimes and sure. it's, that's the, that's the thing that causes the most concern look at the history i mean people getting shot people getting raped people getting uh, robbed and it's 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 that's why human rights has come to the fore is because they're getting infringed on things like ai where we're leaving it over to the machines for for good or for bad at this point let's look at it from the good perspective it it starts to take away that unnecessary interaction so we can deal with the things that we most value um so whether or not you agree with that uh, you can send us your tweets and let us know we can discuss it um one thing that came to mind obviously was okay robotics ai is going to lead to these robots and we're going to have the rise of the machines um and a couple of things have happened in the last uh, little bit uh this year we saw the 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 death of uh, Marvin Minsky, who is uh, the an American cognitive scientist in the field of artificial intelligence, and he was also one of the co-founders of of MIT. Um, but he was said to, he said to be the godfather of uh, artificial intelligence. What will become artificial intelligence? Uh, he's got some great TED talks on health and the human mind. So if you want to check out Marvin Minsky, I think we'll tweet it later. Um, but the other thing that comes to mind is the three laws of robotics, which is Isaac Asimov. And he's got the, the first rule being a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human, me- a human being to come to harm, looking after human rights. Second, a, a robot must obey the orders given, by, given to it by human beings, except when orders would conflict with the first law. So again, everything about robotics so far is looking after us. Third, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or the second law. So if you want to get into legal battles, it's pretty quite it's quite nice that three laws can sort of subsync all of it. You know, I'm listening to that now and I'm and I'm thinking back to my youth of Terminator, because that was exactly the same thing. Yeah. I think Robocop used the same laws of robotics as well. And we both know how that both those movies ended. I mean, hell, Schwarzenegger even became governor of uh, of California. So if that's the case, kill it now. But uh, the man who was a machine and also gave birth, <laughs> and also gave birth. But you know, I, look, I'm all for it. And I mean, yeah. we've said this before. We're not we're not ever looking to remove human aspect from anything. No. But the show's called Futurology. Yeah. Hashtag Futurology. Yeah. We want to embrace it. We want the technology to work. And I mean, I was also. I think I have mentioned this on one of the earlier shows as well. But with regards to human rights, yeah. the UN is now declaring the internet as a human right. Yes. I mean, here in Africa, we're still talking about water and electricity yeah. and, and, and food and education. Yeah. They've got that taped in yeah. the first world. They're talking about the internet yeah. because of the internet of things, which we've, t- we've spoken about at length. Um, I know that in Canada, the ISPs were forced to stop throttling because 
they'd made the people of Canada net, dependent. Net neutrality and all there that. There we go. Yep. So it's awesome. And I mean, I was just thinking about what Dennis was saying as well between the human intervention as in driving cars and yeah. the artificial intelligence. My money would be on the AI hands down every time because we're the ones that cause the stupid things. We pick up our phones while we're driving. We put our hand out the window to flick someone and not look in front of us. So, you know, I definitely see it having its place. Um, but the key word there is it needs to know its place. Yeah. And its place is to be subservient to us and make our lives better. There's been a lot of documentaries that have come out. I'm, I'm not as... Uh, well uh, researched as you are, and I can't give you the names of them, but I've seen it on BBC. I think it's called like Rise of the Machines or Start yeah. of the Machines, yeah. where we've pushed that button, yeah. and it's not going to stop. It's well, going to go beyond. Well, that's it. There's this there's this idea of a digital divide. So we look at the unconnected or the unbanked and all those things, and it's some people say, cool, there's a digital gap um, between uh, first and third world countries or people in urban and rural areas, but it really is a digital digital abyss. Uh, the, the, the gap between us is so vast. And that's the thing that the UN and a lot of philanthropists are trying to close. I mean, we had examples in, I think it was back in 2013 or 2014 when Google were trying to do their, their balloon flying over yeah, areas to try right. and provide connectivity. Uh, and it's one thing to provide connectivity, but you need to give people access, uh, digitally to that connectivity. Well, you're talking about that. I mean, let's keep it, let's bring it back home here. Uh, I read an article that was, it was about two years ago. Um, which actually outlined two years ago well, what, that the internet is now 25 years. So now it's 27 yeah. years old, which is quite amazing. Yeah. But the, the article went on to say on the back of the UN declaring internet as a human right, okay, and it was published around about this time two years ago, that South Africa was going to spend uh, somewhere in the region of about 70, 70, that's 7 and 0, not 70 and 0 and 0, <laughs> billion rand by 2030 on our infrastructure. Now, We've all seen those beautiful little pylons of orange being thrown into the ground. They are doing it. They're spending yeah. the money. Infrastructure is coming. Yeah. Fibers. Um, you know, so it might not be unrealistic that yeah. South Africa and hopefully more of Africa in the world by 2030 is totally connected and does enjoy the things that the first world currently enjoys. Um, my, my only concern is, is that, and, and again, I'm talking about something like Amy now. Yeah. I mean, she writes emails and has emotion, inverted commas, and speaks to people from, you know, the right phrasing and tensing and mindful. If we create these machines with object one and object two or law one and law two, yeah. and they start to think, inverted commas, and they start to think that they're better than us, are we not going down a highway to hell? Is this a, or is this a zeitgeist discussion for another oh, yeah. day? Oh, for sure. No, I think you always get very dangerously close to those kind of, um, discussions but the the idea that uh computers will become self aware self aware self aware slowly self aware self aware where did it all start where did it go wrong well it'll go they'll realize very quickly and once they do i mean if you've ever seen if you've seen age of ultron and avengers where they 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 fleet they flirt with that idea yeah um it happens immediately it's so quick that they realize that we're actually part of the problem not part of the solution and there's no real sense in keeping us around. So um, unless we get the singularity right and we can download all of the human race into a machine at some point, then uh, we've got to watch out how we do it. And I think that's that's part of the the thing that I'm, I like to look at is what, what is the responsible way of, of investigating AI? Um, and just uh, stepping aside, I mean, the on the 15th of March uh, in Seoul, uh, there was a showdown between Google's AlphaGo or sort of DeepMind computer 
Um, and Lee Sodal, this guy called Lee Sodal. And the idea here was that this computer was going to beat, uh, Lee in, in a game. So there was collaboration between DeepMind and AlphaGo, um, collaboration to build this AlphaGo. So I'll tweet the, the article and you can check it all out. The interesting thing was that, uh, everybody thought that the computer was not going to win and it won 4-1 four, four, against a human. So it's quite scary when you think that this idea of being able to strategize or think around your opponent uh, is something that a computer shouldn't be able to do, but it's something that is happening. And um, But, you know, we're still human, so we can we can still outwit. Right. So, I mean, you've known me long enough, and I, and I always like to try and move to the, the conspiracy theory side of discussions. Mm-hmm. I mean, my favorite pastime is to give my father-in-law a hard time and tell him that we haven't landed on the moon. And his response is always the same. He sat there and watched it in, in the bioscope. For those of you that don't know what a bioscope is, that was in the day when we still used film. But, you know, conspiracy theories aside in it, if I look at what we're doing, so let's take Amy and we're starting to, to remove the ability to plan because that's what it is. Yeah. Business is about planning. So what Amy's doing is it's removing my need to plan my day Therefore, I don't. I lose that skill. I mean, we know that when you stop doing something. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. When was the last time you had to write more than five hundred words, okay, on one single piece of paper at one moment in with time? With a pen. Yeah, with a pen. No, silly. That's my point. Now go to a police station and see how, how sore your hand is when you write the affidavit. So, if we stop doing stuff, if we stop um, thinking for ourselves, planning for ourselves, or, or whatever it is, yeah. and we give this task to a machine, then we are creating that dependency. Now, Panasonic, one of the articles that I came across um, when we started looking at AR, they've made an exoskeleton. Okay, so you put this, it's, it's incredibly lightweight. It's, it, the article said it was 30, 13 pounds. I have no idea what that is, about 20 kgs-ish, 25 maybe. Way, isn't it? Yeah, so it's 6 about five or six kilograms. All right. So, Still. I mean, that really weighs nothing. But what it does is it goes around your arms and your back. And the idea was to help factory workers and support their back so they don't get um, they don't get back injuries lifting everything. So, like the airport when the guys have to lift your suitcases yeah. and so on. So, now you've got this, this machine, for lack of a better word, strapped to you. Okay. And it's now doing all the hard lifting for you because they reckon that it will reduce strain by 33 kgs. Okay. So, wow. it will be able to let you lift or, or not feel 33 kgs. We're making our muscles weaker. And then all of a sudden the kill Hello, switch Wally. command comes. <laughs> yeah, but no, but then the kill switch command comes and now all of a sudden the exoskeleton clamps and stays permanent. Yeah. Now it controls us. Yeah. You well, know, again, a, a silly example recently is, I yeah, no, it's terrifying. The dependency is the thing that scares humans the most. Yeah. And we have a human right to, a basic human right to water and shelter and security. And we had uh, no water uh, last week. Well, go and see the people in Flint yeah. in America. They haven't had water for a while either. But you, that's a problem. Now, that's a real problem. That's a real problem. Yeah. So now you don't have water. I mean, you, you, you take it for granted. Like, all of a sudden you flush your toilet and you're, damn it, it's not going to refill. And now you've got to try and do something to get water. Now, if we place, we've gotten used to water, we turn the tap and there's our water. It's the same with internet and same with, I suppose, knowledge to some extent. If we've gotten so dependent on what this is, um, it's our dependency on it um, and our ability and our inability to survive without it that is actually the thing that we should be concerned about. So uh, I love the idea that Bear Grylls is throwing people into islands and letting them fend for themselves. <clears throat> but I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, basically, 
um, if I if if I look at the part that concerns me, and I know you and I have the same, um, we are dependent on our toys. Yeah. You know? So, how do you step back from that, or how do you handbrake it? Can you? <laughs> but that's yeah. A, yeah. It's a question, but it's also a statement. I mean, this is yeah. the reality of where we're going with this. I. I embrace, I'm like a little kid in a candy shop as soon as something with the words new or improved oh, or sure. wonderful or tech all come together. I just bounce. Yeah. And I'm the first person to not read the terms and conditions. Sorry, Candace. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm yeah. just going to click, click, click and do, do, do because I want to be first. But now I've given Amy my diary. She has access to it. I'm assuming she has access to contacts and that as well. What's to stop her sending out uh, an email? And I know, Dennis, she's not going to. But what's to stop her sending an email to say, Brett actually hates every single one of you and uh, never wants to see you again? If if she chooses to evolve that way. Well, she, again, she's this thing that you've given your authority to. So she That's can my book, wife. Yeah, well, and, and Amy at this point. <laughs> Like she could phone your wife and tell your wife, "Hey, Brett's going to be home late tonight because he's actually meeting with so and so and so and so, and it's not actually a business date." No, you you see, don't know. This is a thing. Now, um, the illusion of control and actual control, I think that the thing that scares people the most. Um, the illusion of control can sometimes come across as people they'll latch right onto it because it's it's sold so well, um, but then control is lost uh, because of lack of or ignorance to security. Yeah. So I think, and we've we've seen it. That security is a big thing in the digital space at the moment. I mean, Apple and the guys all shouting about whether or not they can or cannot uh, give people's information in court. Um, that's bound by other other clauses. So you've got to be careful. AI is going to be a thing that will become cognitive to some extent, or appear cognitive to some extent. But do not put your dependencies on it. Make sure that I like the fact that you BCC'd yourself. In your mails. But I, I got caught out for that. But I think it's, and this is the point. It's going, oh, this one's clever. You can't pull all over his eyes. No, but you can ask for forgiveness from a computer and see if it gives it to you. I think she did. It's binary. I think I did. You but know, yeah, I mean, look, these are interesting discussions. I think this is discussions that we can have with a panel of people. And if there's a great, great opportunity for tweets. So, um, hashtag yes or no, is the future going to be a great place? How is it going to, be. I mean, he t- he spoke about uh, a digital nirvana. Uh, these things all just happening, um, and it would be great if we could all just collaborate. If we've got this cognitive, this global cognitive ability, we all just combined it. This collective knowledge that we can all put together, and as a digital philosopher, that's all we aim for: is to get this this combined knowledge in one place, focused on one problem, and we can fix it really, really quickly. But isn't that what Google's trying to do, Brett? I mean, is that not kind of their underpinning that they're trying to put? everything and everyone in one place i think for the most part that's what everybody connected to an open source environment is trying to do this this idea of global connectedness and uh, cognitive gatherings is is that's the philanthropic look for for the way for the future is let's get the best people to to, to think about the worst or the most difficult problems and let's try and fix them Okay, so, you know, and uh, and you're normally the one that comes up with the deep thoughts in that. But, I mean, <laughs> listening to this and preparing for this, here's the thing that, that I always keep coming back to, which is that human element. Mm. I mean, Dennis mentioned he's got 63 pre- propeller heads. Okay, and, I mean, we've all seen those environments. You have one of those environments. I have one of those environments. Maybe not 63, but you've seen these guys at work. Yeah. So now you've got 63 people working and playing with data on a mass scale. Yeah. And one just feels aggrieved. And then, and this is the problem with the human 
interface. And then, of course, you push the wrong button or you throw the wrong kill switch mm. and it all just goes down the proverbial shit pipe. Well, that's, mean, that's the nice thing about being human is that we have this EQ as well as an IQ. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we have this emotional question that we're able to, have to realize what's good and what's bad and what will hurt and what will, what will harm people. And we hope for the most part that good overwhelms and we're able to make the right decision. Uh, but I don't think computers, are, you can't, you can't program EQ. No. You, uh, you can agree. on a sound desk, yeah, but yeah. you can't program emotional sound uh, quotient into uh, a cognitive thought on an AI, in an AI. Not, not yet anyway. And I think that's where it's going to, the, the digital abyss, thankfully, from AI and humans is going to always be in place. Uh, but it would be very nice if we could uh, take a, a, an AI approach to human rights and actually say, that's just wrong. Don't do that. I was actually having this chat with my wife this morning, and it's like, what if every human woke up tomorrow and was just like, rape is wrong, uh, murder is wrong, don't steal from people. What if we just woke up and had this, I, everybody, this epiphany? And that is kind of this nirvana that maybe we're talking about, but is it achievable? Is it realistic? No, because we're human. But that now that that actually strengthens be my great. argument because yeah. it is wrong. You don't have to wake up and actually have that epiphany. Murder is wrong and rape is wrong. Mm. But because but we're still, still running it. around, we do it. Yeah. So all it takes is for you to flick one switch and boy, are we wrong. I mean, look at this do us, for lack of a better <laughs> word, in North Korea. You know, I mean, what is he actually trying to do? He's, he's really antagonizing <laughs> the big beehives of the world. And we know what's going to happen when they get upset. I mean, if Donald Dump gets into power, okay, uh, that's going to be one of his first targets. Just invite him to one of his rallies and he'll get beaten up. Well, I mean, he's going to finish building his wall around Mexico and then he's going to go down to North Korea and have a field day, you know. But what's the fallout from that? Again, it's human. Yeah. And this is where I, I'm very intrigued with this whole AI-human mesh. And I think EQ is actually the right thing that we need to start looking at. Yeah. We don't have to worry about IQ because yeah. the machines will do that for us. You don't need to be the most intelligent person in the world. You don't need to learn parrot fashion anymore because there isn't a single piece of pane of glass somewhere that wouldn't give you access to whatever you were looking for yeah. in a microsecond. Okay? Yeah. But you need to harness. And our, I think our job to keep humanity, there we go, is That's EQ. It. We need to focus on the youth and keep them emotionally balanced yeah. and morally balanced. And I think the most important thing is righteous. Because one little bad egg, <laughs> it's going to be a very, with those type of tools at his or her disposal. Yeah. We still have to ultimately control what we do. I think while we have control, uh, before the, the rise of the machines, yeah. while we have control, we need to yield it responsibly. Yeah, I, and, and I think that's the thing that everybody needs to be mindful of. So our next steps from here. We've looked at virtual assistants. We've mm. looked at uh, uh, human rights and internet as a you know as a right. We've looked at machines taking us on. Mm. Um, have you come across anything that that doesn't have a, a, a negative impact on the the AI side or? or um, oh look, I think this is all fantastic. I, like like Dennis was saying, I think the fact that um, you can democratize mundane tasks from humans to give us more time to be productive yeah. and creative. All for that. That is amazing. But again, control, uh, responsible control. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a, a wicked place when things start to happen. Uh, I think we're going to be caught out by the speed at which it starts to happen. I think yeah, I agree with we that are, statement. we are physically labored by ourselves. 
um, to do stuff. We have to consume in order to have energy to keep doing things. Com- computers don't. And that makes them a great thing. Windows machines. <laughs> makes them a great thing or a bad thing, yeah. <laughs> Please update me. <laughs> yeah, there's an update now. But yeah, I mean, if, if you're, if anybody listening is, is really interested in, in AI, then Marvin Minsky, I'll tweet some stuff and we'll share it together on the, on Futurology and, uh, check out the pioneer of artificial intelligence. He had some really groundbreaking things when he started this process. And here we are like 60 years on. Um, and we've learned so much already, but, the foundation of what he laid was really, really thought-provoking. So let's summarize this. If we look at our favorite topics, the Internet of Things, the dark web, um, things like Amy, and, and I, I have to say it again, it has been incredible. The fact that I could just release. If you if you have the ability to actually let go yeah. and let her do what you need to without trying to spend more time checking on her um, – yeah. It, it has been an amazing two weeks. I, I think out of the, and you've seen my diary, out of the 40 or 50 meetings, maybe one, yeah. we've jumped into a bit of a, a, a battle. You know, yeah. maybe it was a time issue or between the time Amy sent it and the response. Not everyone's like you and me that work uh, right through the night. Um, where, where's our next sweet spot with this? I mean, here's your, your philosoph- right, gee, philosophical moment. Out of all these new things, where do you, you know, we, we love VR. It's working. Yeah. Where do we going? Where are we going next? I think the fun, the financial thing always brings up the most di- direct approach or immediate re- requirement for us to do something. And with the financial state of the world and global economy, uh, everybody's trying to optimize digitally, and it's always trying to be better, quicker, faster. Nice. So, okay. with that, yes, VR is a great way of doing marketing because it's immersive. You're in it. Great. People are trying to close the circle. They're trying to close the loop each time. So it's one thing to have this uh, engagement where it's entertaining, but inform the people, empower the people, get them to do something beyond it. And I think that's what's going to start making the difference. And it's going to happen uh, in your outward communication, but it's going to happen a lot in your internal communication within businesses and, and uh, organizations. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I think uh, that brings us to the end of today's show. And uh, thanks again to Dennis for Skyping in with us. So uh, until next time on the Futurology Show, keep your screens clean and your knobs shiny. This is CliffCentral.com.